Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Genesis 42. I'm going to jump down to that. I know I gave it to you, but... Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Genesis 42, verse 1. I have to read from the screen because I had a contact. (laughs) I'm working with one eye today. So if you see me doing this, I apologize. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do ye look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get ye down thither and buy for, for us from thence that we may live and not die. And so Joseph's 10 brothers went down to buy corn in Egypt for his family and Benjamin stayed back, Joseph's brother. Jacob sent not, sent not with his brother. He didn't send Benjamin for he said, lest peradventure mischief befall him. He didn't want to have another situation like losing Joseph. And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came for the famine was in the land. Everyone say famine was in the land. I want to focus on the word land there. And then Matthew 13. Help me out, team. Matthew 13, verse 1. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into the ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables or stories that had a spiritual application, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell away by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up so fell upon stony places everybody say land where they had not much earth and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth and when the sun was up they were scorched and because they had no root they withered away and some fell among thorns and the thorns sprung up and choked them but others fell in good ground. Everyone say good ground. And brought forth much fruit, some and hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. I'm grateful to the Lord that the Spirit tells us today that he that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. From the front wall to the back and each side wall, I believe that God wants to say something to our hearts about the soil that we're in. We talk about being the seed. We talk about the Lord's word being the seed. But sometimes we forget to talk about the environment that we're planted in. And I want to talk to you for a little bit about God's ground. God's ground. The soil that he places you in is very important. And the environment that you keep yourself in is very important. Because the land supports the growth. Amen? So I want to preach to you for a little bit. I'm going to lay a little bit of a foundation and then we're going to talk about what I believe God has for you. I believe 
the Lord has a prophetic word in this place for increase over everybody that's here. But your increase is determined upon the place where you're planted. Let's pray. Jesus, it's not just good ground when it's God ground. It's great ground. It's where you put us, Jesus. And I pray each one of us will learn how to grow in the hard places. We'll learn how to grow in the difficult places. I pray each one of us will learn how to just continue to seek you for our nourishment. But while we're being nourished, help us to examine the place where we're planted and know that you have something greater for us. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. Job, Satan answered the Lord and said to Job, or said to God, doth Job fear God for not? Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? In other words, God was saying, have you not protected him? Have you not put something around him? Have you not planted him in a place and then put a protective barrier from the environment around him? And I want to talk to you for a little while about the places that we're planted and the places that we get our nourishment from. Because sometimes it's not a matter of having good seed. It's a matter of having bad ground. And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. And so we not only are a place where God plants things, and we are not only people who he plants in places, but we are also responsible for the soil that we are. In other words, Scripture tells us that there's thorny ground and there's places where there wasn't enough earth to receive the soil and so the birds came and took it. And there, then there was other places where there was a little bit of soil but not enough for the sower to have the seed take root. And so when the sun came up, they withered away. That's a spirit, super spiritual person. They have all the spirituality and they have no root of doctrine. They have no way to handle the, the hard times, the difficult times, the, the pressures of life. And so you see that God is dealing with Satan here when he talks about Job. I'm just referencing Job's story because Job had roots. He didn't just have fruit. Amen. So in Romans 12, too, we find out that the scripture says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Everybody say mind. Mind is the soul, the body, and then the spirit. God speaks to your spirit to transform your mind and to transform your body. And so he does a transformation work. Literally, the word transformation here in Romans 2, 12 and 2 means to be metamorphosed into something different than what you were before. In other words, when God conforms your, when you conform yourself to the word of God, when you don't conform yourself to the, to the world, what happens is God's word begins to transform you or create a metamorphosis metamorphosis in you, like a, like a calipiter becoming a butterfly. You know the story, um, and you maybe have read through Romans 12 before, but literally you go, you, you turn into something you could have never been before without the metamorphosis of God in your life and the word of God in your life, and you become something different. You can't go back to what you were, but you came from there. So you remember what you were, but you're not that anymore because you've been transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, by the transformation of your life, you're proving the good and acceptable and perfect will of God for your life. 
If you never are transformed, if there's never a change in you, then I'm wondering if you're actually planted in the right place. I'm wondering if you are in the right soil because we talk a lot about how good the seed is and how, how good the word is. And if you were like me, you grew up in churches that had great preaching every Sunday. And I, I, I was a glut on amazing preaching and amazing word and strong seed. But the problem was nobody taught me to cultivate the soil of my life so that I was prepared to receive such great blessing and so that it can grow deep roots and that they didn't teach me how to water it with a prayer life in the Holy Ghost, watering my, my life with the power of the Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen, somebody. Not just praying in your knowledge and in, in your own language, but praying in tongues and letting that, that Holy Ghost water down that soil and that seed so that you can grow and become something different because we can only change ourselves if we stay in the Word of God. Amen. You cannot change yourself any other way. You can do it through the best willpower and the best motivational tapes you can find. But the greatest change that happens is when you have an encounter with Jesus Christ. And he changes everything. Ephesians 4.22 tells us that you put off concerning the former conversation or the former behavior, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. You can go there with me, Ephesians 4.22 if you want. You probably can read it later on today. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Everyone say the spirit of your mind. The Bible is very careful to talk about the mind, how the mind is helpful in being renewed, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, neither give place to the devil. I know that in learn in learning what the Lord wants me to be and do, that I have to constantly give no place to the enemy. Amen? How many give no place to the devil in your life on a regular basis? So the key to renewed life equals putting off the old man plus putting on the new man. Amen? Which equals giving also no place to the devil in your life. That's what you have to do in order to have spiritual success. So a great key to that is your mind is designed to serve as a hedge or a place around the soil of your life. Your mind's designed to be the place that protects what, what God's growing in your life. And if you're not developing your mind, if you're not developing your knowledge in God, if you're not learning or memorizing any scripture so that you can combat the, the, the warfare of the enemy, you will not be able to put the devil out and you will not be able to give him no place because Jesus, even in when he went into the wilderness and was tempted by the enemy, he said, the word says, the word says he battled his fight. He fought his fight with the word of God. And if you have no word of God in you, you have no protective barrier and you're open to anything that comes into your life and any environmental changes can affect the growth of your life. And so you have to know that whether struggle or whether strength, you need something wrapped around your heart, wrapped around your mind. And that is the word of God that keeps us, that seals us, that helps us. You need that in your life. That is key. What really happened to Adam and Eve's diso in dis their disobedience was that they had been commanded not to eat of the garden, of one tree in the garden. God had warned that disobedience would result in death in Genesis 2. How many know they didn't actually die? The physical death. But did Adam instantly fall dead? Obviously not. He lived to the age of 930. How would you like to live that long? 
Turn the football. Go get it. It's a long time to live. 930 years. And yet, man did die. The very moment he ate of the forbidden fruit. Since man is a spirit being. Everybody say spirit being. It was into man's spirit that death entered. That's what God was referring to. So the devil's lie, you shall eat of it and not surely die. The devil was focused on something that God was not focused on. He said, you're not going to die a physical death, but you're going to die a spiritual death is what God was saying. This does not mean that his spirit ceased to exist. Adam's spirit continued on. For spiritual death is a state of non-existence, but it's rather a state of separation and alienation from God. In other words, what God was saying is the day you eat of it, you will have spiritual separation or alienation from me because sin will come between us through your disobedience. And so what happens in the garden passes on to all men, for we are born in sin. And there is a need to deal with that in everybody's life. We have to deal with the fact that we have a nature that leans toward the world and worldliness and sin. Amen, somebody. There are three kinds of death in Scripture, physical death, spiritual death, and then the second death. That's what it refers to when you look at the Word of God. Physical death obviously separates man's spirit from and soul from the body. Spiritual death separates man's spirit from God. And second death is eternal separation of man from God. Lord, help us to make sure that we live our lives born again so that we don't have to suffer that last second death. We may die once and go into the grave, but thank God there's resurrection power through the Holy Ghost inside of us. And we will get up again when the trumpet sounds. There's going to be a quickening power that takes over our life and we will not die the second death. We will be forever with the Lord. When Adam experienced spiritual death in his spirit, his soul and his body also became subject to the enemy. In effect, God's highest creation was now a child of Satan. It was directed and guided by John 8, 44. Read the book of John if you want some homework. Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. You're bent in a direction when you come into this earth, when you're born. But when you're born again... It puts away the body of death or it puts away the old man and you can live in newness of life and you don't have to be subject to the lusts of the flesh or the prides of life or you don't have to be subject to the things that others live under for we are free. We are broke loose from the bondage of sin. Amen, somebody. Our father is not the one that I spoke of, but our father is a God in heaven who came down in flesh and dwelt among us in Jesus Christ and gave his only son that we might be fulfilled in him and brought forth out of the bondage of sin. Romans 5.19 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. I'm thankful for God's obedience. Because his will given up in order to die for us gave us the ability to get back in contact and in right standings with God. The key is spiritual death is separation from God due to sin. Every human being is born with this condition. 
Only salvation can cure it. Only salvation can cure it. And we need to be saved. Amen? We need to live saved lives. We need to have saved minds. We need to live with saved bodies. Amen? We need to do with our body and with our conversation what the things that lead to salvation. Man was created by God as a threefold being. You guys know that. The Bible talks about threefold body, soul, and spirit. Have you ever had that broken down for you? The inner man is the spiritual man. That's the part that knows God and will exist eternally in heaven or hell. The part of you that lives forever. That is your spirit. Everyone say spirit. The part of man that gets saved. That is the part of man that gets saved. Your spirit. The soul is the mind. Everybody say mind. I'm talking about the place where God's seeds are sown, where God's seeds are planted. These are them. Your spirit, your body, and your soul are where they grow and they exhibit themselves. The mind is the soul, the intellect, thoughts and reasoning, the emotion, temperament, feelings, attitudes, and moods. That is the soul. Everyone say soul. How many have a lot of soul? You have a whole lot of temperament. You have a whole lot of attitude. Some of you have children you're raising with you're raising with a whole lot of soul. Amen. They're moody. And so the soul is also the place where we keep where we keep our will, our choices, our decisions and our determination. We talked about that a little bit last week. The body, the outer man, the external or visible house, the part you can pinch. Amen in which man's invisible spirit and soul reside, the part which operates our five senses. The body gives you connection to this world. That's hot. That's cold. That's painful. That's not. That's peaceful. That's your connection. The body gives you connection to the natural world. Your spirit gives you connection to the spiritual world. And your soul is where you process what God is talking to you through your emotions and your intellect. Amen, someone? The eternal or visible house that this body is in is not going to live forever. Hello. I don't care how much aloe vera you smear on. There's going to be wrinkles. I don't care how much Botox you stretch it with. You just look surprised all your life. That's all. It's just There's no emotion left because there's so much Botox. You're just surprised all day. You ever seen somebody like that? It's hilarious. I apologize for them not knowing that the body is going to perish. Amen. But this inward man is renewed day by day, the Spirit says. Though the outer man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. So even though I may have come to the pulpit tired today, I know that my inner man is being renewed by the Word of God today and by the worship in His presence today. I'm thankful that I don't have to depend upon my physical strength to know what God wants to do in my life. Oh, I could preach right here. I can walk into a situation with not enough knowledge and not enough strength and know that the Holy Ghost can step in and give me a word from God to say and give me an anointing that I don't have energy to hold. He can, he can plant something in me and in my life that affects my body from my spirit and encourages my soul. Amen. That is the God that we serve. He is a God that ministers to all of us. So the body, the part which operates our five senses, we already talked about that, the part that provides an outer witness to our inward salvation. It's interesting that when you look at the spiritual death of a person, the spirit being alienated from God because of sin, unless, unless we make a choice, amen, 
unless we make a choice to change that, we will live in that condition eternally of being unsaved. And so God allows us to make a decision. Amen. He allows us to choose God with our soul, with our minds. He allows us to choose him. Since the spirit is dead, the soul is now in charge. Led by his intellect, emotions, we have to know that whenever God steps in, he leads us by his intellect. He leads us by his ability to, to, to control our emotions. He leads us by his will. And so I'm thankful for the power of God to step in and touch my spirit. Excuse me, my spirit. His body becomes merely a tool. The person that lets God take over his life then allows his body, because the power of God's spirit in them, to become the tool and acting out the things that God wants him to be and the places God wants him to go. And what God has then planted in you becomes evident through you. Amen? Not because you have all of the strength, but because you are using your body to witness to the spiritual change that's happened in your life through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen, someone? Instead of living spiritually dead, where your body becomes merely a tool for acting out the lusts and passions of your life, this man is truly mortal. That's a mortal man dying, which means death doomed. That's what mortal means, death doomed or Satan ruled. We're not living like that anymore. Our bodies are not our own. They belong to the Lord. They're purchased by his cross. Amen. And so therefore, that purchase requires us to do some changing and to use our physical beings to represent the spiritual condition of our spirit that we have been changed from the inside out. And so you should notice on somebody's person and you should notice in somebody's life and their dress and what they do that they have been spiritually changed on the inside. This is not just something that you can't see it. It eventually effervesces to the surface and you see they're at attitude is getting better and their mind is getting stronger and they are more susceptible. They're not as susceptible to the attacks of the enemy, but they are becoming strengthened by the power of God. And so then it affects their spirit, their emotion, their body, everything about them. And they become able and capable soil for what God wants to plant in them because they're maturing, they're growing. They're becoming nurtured by the word so that they can nurture the seed sown into them. Some of you feel like you've had a lot of manure thrown at you in life. Anybody in that situation? Like, I don't even understand why I had to go through all this stuff. You know what manure does? It fertilizes what God sows in your life. <laughs> Just put it on the soil. God will help you to fertilize what God's doing. Thank you, Lord. Someone said, at least there's a reason. At least there's a reason. In a spiritually alive person, the spirit is back in fellowship with God. There's nothing more beautiful than to hear that, to know that you're saved and you're in fellowship with God because of that salvation. And unless he makes a choice, the spiritual person, unless they make a choice to change it, this also is an eternal condition. When you become spiritually alive, and you become set apart and eternally 
It's, it's an eternal condition. Since the spirit is alive, the soul is not allowed to be in charge. The mind is not allowed to be in charge because the spirit is alive. And what you have happen is you'll have people that start healing from the inside out. In other words, your mind can literally be grooved in with thoughts and processes and ways of thinking and fears and, and different things that you have done all your life. But when you get the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost starts healing you from your spirit to your mind. In other words, when the Bible says in Romans that you should be transformed by the renewing of your mind, what it's actually saying in Romans 12 is that you should live a spirit-filled life because the spirit starts to heal you and begins to heal your thinking process. You can't change your mind. Nobody can change their mind without a move of the Holy Ghost touching their spirit and changing the way they think. And so that is what God chooses to do. And some of you have been experiencing the healing power of God, changing the way you thought about things things, changing the way you look at things. And it's an eternal effect. It's always going to happen. It's never going to go away. God's always going to be healing you and restoring you and renewing you and changing your thought process on it and giving you a new outlook and a better perspective. Why? Because your thinking comes from the fact that your spirit has been encountered by God and now is in fellowship with God. The soul is not allowed to be in charge anymore. The spirit is in charge in your life. Your emotions aren't allowed to be in charge anymore. The thoughts that you have aren't allowed to be in charge anymore. You have to take every thought into captivity. And if it doesn't line up to the word of God, if it's not pure and holy and just, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, you cast it out because your thoughts are not allowed. Your soul is not allowed to run your life anymore. Your spirit is in connection to God's eternal spirit. And that is the only pure connection on the planet. That is the only place you can take true nourishment. You have to be planted, but you also have to know that the soil of your life has to be nourished through your spirit, not through your thoughts and not through your emotions only. Because if you live for God only through your emotions, you become super spiritual. And if you live for God only through your thoughts, you become legalistic. And God said, I want spirit and truth. I'm looking for somebody who worships changed by their spirit to renew their mind. He's looking for spiritual people. In fact, the Bible says that if you're looking to correct something in the church, you go to spiritual people. And the greatest commodity of the church in America and in the, in the world today is we are having so many shallow Christians. They're not spiritual people. They're not people with a prayer life that are concerned about their brother and sister enough to know that my prayer life is not just for me. It's when somebody falls or gets hurt and I get called to a hospital. It's for when somebody needs to have an encouraging word because they got a bad doctor's report. I'm living my life spirit-filled so that I can help others. Learn to walk with God. There's an ongoing war to subjugate the natural human, the natural mind and body of God's spirit to God's spirit. There's a, there's a natural war that goes on between us and inside of us. Paul said, when I want to do good, I find myself doing other things. <laughs> I desire to do good. That's the spirit man talking. But sometimes the body and the flesh get in the way. And that war is going on between your body and your mind and God's spirit. 
that's now dwelling in you, redeeming your human spirit. Do you understand what redemption really means? It means the constant work of God on your life. He's constantly working. So the body is offered as a living sacrifice. That's a sacrifice that wants to get off the altar all the time. Amen? It's a living sacrifice. We're like, Lord, I want to serve you, but I also want to do this. <laughs> Lord, I want to serve you, but I also want a husband, and I also want this, and I also want that. You have other needs and other wants. So a living sacrifice is to do the will of God and not, and not be allowed to fulfill fleshly lust, not allow yourself to fulfill those fleshly lusts. This, this man, the spiritually alive man, is truly immortal. Immortal, not dying, but immortal, which means not death doomed. We're not held by death anymore. We can't come and celebrate Easter in three weeks and not talk about being a spirit-filled church because it is the spiritually alive person that can raise their hand and say, thank God the grave is not my final resting place. Thank God I have some place to go. Thank God that I'm living, being internally renewed, that my spirit man is worshiping the spirit of God, and it's the same thing I'm going to do on streets of gold because there's an eternal part of you that's already connected to the eternal part of God, and it will be the exact same thing in heaven, only you'll shed the body that is dying. You'll shed the places and the things that are not eternal and then you'll live for God forever so when you stand in the presence of God worshiping him in a service know that your worship is eternal that your praise is forever and that you're worshiping an eternal God from an eternal spirit that has been brought alive by God's touch amen brought alive by God's touch you have to then decide how to manage that because the mind is the battleground. It is. It's the battleground. Basically, everything that lures, drives, and attracts, and convinces, and persuades, or motivates you is generated at the intellectual or emotional level. Have you ever had an emotional purchase? <laughs> you got home and went, why did I buy that again? <laughs> or you look at your finances at the end of the month, and you're like, why did we go out to eat that many times? Or it was emotional eating? I don't know. Levels, those are the levels of the mind or soul that the, that the enemy will attack to try to get your decision-making process back. Your decisions on how you react is then made in your mind by your will. You have to learn how to get a stronger will for God to never give up what he's planted in you. To say, I don't care how hard it gets, I'm going to keep turning the soil if I have to. If I have to be transplanted from an environment that's smaller and moved to, some of you don't even know why you're here yet, but you've been transplanted because God knew you were root bound where you were and you can't grow with the call of God on your life. He's planted something in you that's going to go bigger than your environment you're in right now. And so God had to move you to this church or God has to move you wherever he's going to move you or do whatever he has to do in your life. And guess what? If you have a stay still stuck mentality and you're not listening to the spirit of God speaking to your spirit, giving you the, the thoughts of what God wants you to do, you'll make earthly and fleshly decisions not based upon a prayer life or the word of God and you will try to transplant yourself to places you should never be. But I want you to know that you do have, an, have to have enough soil, enough, enough substance where you are. You can't plant a peach seed in a tablespoon worth of salt. 
You, you will never grow if you're not in a big enough environment to be grown. You, in other words, if you are the seed and if you are responsible for the soil, you need to have the Lord tell you where you need to be to grow. Because if you're a planted acorn, you're going to need enough soil to grow into an oak tree. What you are right now is not what you will be. So never stay in an environment just because there's soil there. Understand that God's going to pick you up and transplant you into another place where there's more nutrients, there's more resources, there's more opportunity for you. Why? Because he has something bigger growing on the inside of you. you ne there's, a, there's a misunderstanding about sowing, and that is that all giving is sowing. When you give, it's sowing. Sowing the seed that I'm talking about in Matthew 13, he sowed seed on good ground, on, on other kinds of ground. He was still sowing seed. But you have to understand that there are places that you give that you're not going to receive from. The sower sows seed for the harvest given back to him. He's sowing to expect a harvest. There are places where you give where you do not expect a harvest. That is a style of sowing. There are two styles of sowing. One is when you give and don't expect return or harvest. The other style of sowing is where you sow and you expect something back for it. If you live your entire life sowing the first kind of sowing that I mentioned and never expect anything back, you have a broken system. You will starve. You will become a person in a famine. You literally will not be able to survive that kind of output from yourself. You will exhaust all seed and all energy if you cannot sow and expect something back. In other words, if you are good soil, and you have people around you that are good soil, when you sow into them, there should be some sowing back into your life. When I love you, love me back. When I hug you, hug me back. When I pray for you, pray for me back. When I encourage you, encourage me back. There are some places where you sow where you can expect a return. That is what God said in his word. There are things that you can expect to return for. There are other places where you sow into that you don't expect to return. You often gift. That's philanthropy. That's where you give to something you don't expect to return from. That is often where you give or you sow into a place that's smaller than you are. But you can never sow into a place that's smaller than you are. You have to sow when you expect to return into a place that's bigger than you are. In other words, when you plant an acorn, you don't plant it in a pot like this and expect it to stay there. You don't plant an oak tree in a, in a small vase like this. You don't plant a peach, a peach tree in a small plant pot like this and expect for it to stay there. You may start it there, but that's not where you stay. That's what God has called me to say to you somebody in this room if you still are listening to me because I know that I'm trying to preach a word that's very hard to receive. That is that sometimes God will plant something in you and then he will transplant you. God is asking for you right now to understand that God is doing some sort of transplanting work on your life in some area. He's asking you to move from where you've been to where you're going to because you cannot produce fruit when you have no place for your roots, when you're 
root bound in that environment whenever there's people around you that cannot support you. It may not be because they're bad people. They're just naturally jealous of you and they don't know how to help you. They don't know how to support you. And so when you're rising up and growing in God, you need to understand that he may take you to new soil. He may pick you up and transplant you into a new garden. Amen, somebody. He may take you to better soil because God wants more out of you. He wants more for you and he wants more out of you. And so your will has to be, God, not my will, but your will be done. The human will is the most awesome feature of the soul for it determines your destiny and where God is leading you. It may not be comfortable in the move. It may shake you. It may strip you of the soil you were in. It may strip you of the relationships that you were in. But if you are committed to being God's ground and to be in God's ground, he will move you to a place that will nourish you. That's why I'm not interested in every person that comes along and says, I have a word for you. Because if it doesn't line up to who God has called me to be, I will filter it. And the reason why I'm filtering it is because I don't let just anybody plant in God's ground. If I was formed from the dust of the earth and then you breathe life into me, then I am soil. And everything in your life plants something in you. And so I don't give permission for everybody just to sow into my life. Because this is God's ground. This is a possession of the Lord. He has bought my mind, my soul, and my spirit. And he's transforming me. And whatever you decide to sow into my life, I am going to filter it through prayer and through the word of God. And if it does not fit what he has in his will for my life, guess what? That's not allowed in my ground. I will not listen to things I shouldn't. I will not watch things that I shouldn't. I will not drink things that I shouldn't. I will not be carried about with lust of the flesh. There are not things in this world that the world would like to plan in my life through various vehicles of, of sowing that I will not let be in front of my eyes or not let get involved in my spirit. I will not let myself intermingle with those things because they're trying to sow discord. They're trying to sow something into my life that creates an attitude against God. They're trying to sow a lack of faith or doubt into my life. And this is God's ground. This belongs to the Lord. I don't have a right to just plant anything in my life that I want to. I have to ask the Lord, Lord, do you want me there? Lord, do you want that there? Do you want that growing in my life? Because it is not so much that it's going to become something great, but sometimes we don't notice it when it's small. And I close with this because it doesn't really matter necessarily how much we talk about some things. It matters how much we will the will of God in our life. Because in the process of the new birth, the soul repents, the body is baptized, and the spirit is filled with the Holy Ghost. And so when we give ourselves to salvation, we also have to understand that we're going to constantly have to give ourselves to God over and over and over again. And this is not my life. My life is not my own. To you, I belong. I'm God's ground. You're God's ground. Let him sow what he wants into you. Let him transplant you wherever he needs to put you. Let him put people around you that are good soil. We talk about 
all the seed all we want to, but the people that are around you, that's the environment that you're planted in. There are some people that you poured yourself into and found out you're bigger than they are. There are some people that you were planted nearby and you found out you had to move yourself because they were contaminating your soil. Sometimes we have to understand that when God moves us, it may not be convenient, but it's necessary, amen? Because we belong to the Lord and what he sows in me, I'm responsible for. He sowed in me a calling to be a preacher and whether I feel good today or not, because I worked 70 hours this week managing a $6.5 million company. Who cares? But I did that so I could do this. That environment supports this. And so I have to care for the things that are around me, whether I'm tired or not, whether, whether I'm feeling strong or not, whether you feel full of God today or not. You have to spend time saying, regardless of what's going on in my life, I'm going to go to the house of the Lord because there the word is sown and I'm God's ground. And if his word's being sown today, I'm going to be there to receive it. If there's going to be a worship that goes up in the house that cultivates my life and my soil, I'm going to be there to receive it. And I'm going to be there to send up praise. Why? It's not because I feel so great today. It's because this place cultivates God's soil in my life and cultivates who I am because I am God's ground. Stand with me today. I am the place where he plants. And I am the place where he waters. And I am the place where he brings increase. Amen, somebody. Why Satan attacks your mind is very obvious. The only place Satan has allowed regular access to you is on the battleground of your mind. Here in, in the soul of man, the battle for the spirit is won or lost. Spiritual things happen. And there is spiritual effect. But he starts, the enemy starts and attacks the mind. Satan continually wages war against the human mind. He would like to make your thoughts dysfunctional, your emotions discouraged, and your will disobedient. Because those are the things that allow God to sow into your life and for it to grow. Satan is constantly attempting to build a stronghold inside your mind. If you allow him to succeed, he will have a place to sow through the places and the launching of attacks that he does against you. You have to make a decision right here that I belong to the Lord and everything that gets sown in my life is going to be in his control. My time is his. My life is his. Everything I have belongs to him. Would you lift your hands and just make a choice today would you let your will be submitted to his will would you let yourself maybe even be trans transplanted today i don't know what god is telling you about the soil that's around you maybe you have a family member or you have family members that do not support you very well and you need to you need to be moved to a new environment maybe you have to speak to them a little less yes they're family you have to love them but maybe god wants to do something in you right now. I know it's quiet in this room, but would you just begin to worship the Lord together? And would you ask God to give you strength to be God's ground? 
Whatever he's sown in you, you want it to grow. Whatever he's going to sow in you, you want to be ready to receive it. Whatever God chooses. Lord Jesus, I know there are times when people have come into my life and left and I didn't understand why, but it was because they were harmful to the growth process that you had me in. They were harmful to my soil. They were toxic and they could not help me grow the gifts that you buried in this man. That I don't want a famine mentality. I don't want a famine mentality in this land, in my life, in this earth. I want to be able to grow in you. And I'm going to you, Jesus. I'm going to sow something bigger than myself and be in your presence, Jesus. Triumph unfolds, he's never failing.